Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. I'm Ross Levitan. With me today, Brandon Piller, for a very special episode. We're going to get back to the draft talk. We're going to get back to our draft rankings. But today, we have Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting, join us to go step-by-step through the top 10 under 23 organizational rankings of the Ottawa Senators, and you don't want to miss it. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, July 2nd. Hope everyone had a happy and safe Canada Day. Brandon and I are still fired up that the Sens draft third and fifth. Just in case you forgot, we wanted to start off the episode by that because we did things a little bit differently today, didn't we, Brandon? We did things way different than we usually do. I don't think I'm off going off a limb here when I'm saying this is our biggest, best interview we've ever done. And we sat down with Craig Button for over 45 minutes. And the detail and knowledge that this guy has just kind of off, off the top of his head about any question we threw at him, he had in-depth answers. And, I mean, he does what he does for a reason. And he's good at it. And... We just we had a lot of fun too. Like he was uh, he was really candid with us, and uh, we kind of threw it back and forth to each other. And this was such a good interview. We're going to break it up into two parts: one with uh, talking about the Sens' current best prospects, and then our second parter. We're going to get into this upcoming draft, which uh, definitely stay tuned for part two after you hear part one. Yeah, that'll be early next week, and you're going to want to hear where he thinks the top two picks will immediately slide into the Sens prospect pool. But for now, without further ado, I think we should just get right to it. We want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, rockauto.com. It's a family business. They serve auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Hey, that's almost as long as Craig Button worked as an executive in the National Hockey League. You go to rockauto.com, you shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. It's delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, right now, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box. That way, they'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, here he is, Craig Button. All right, we're thrilled to welcome a very special guest. The Stanley Cup champion comes from a deep family history around the National Hockey League. In 1975, his father, Jack, founded the League's Central Scouting Database that we still use to this day. He spent 16 years as an NHL executive, including stops as the general manager of the Calgary Flames, and Director of Player Personnel with the Dallas Stars, where he won that aforementioned Stanley Cup in 99. Now you can find his analysis all over TSN, including 1050 Radio, where I have the pleasure of working with him on Leafs Lunch. Oh, and he's easily the best-dressed talent to ever walk through those Bell Media doors. Craig Button, welcome to Locked On Senators Podcast. How are you doing today? 
I am good, Ross. Uh, nice introduction. I mean, there's a lot of well-dressed people at TSN, and uh, you know what? I got to keep my game at the top of it, or I'll, I could fall behind real quick. Hiller brought up MJ as a tough comp competitor for you. There you go. I mean, I don't know if he's. I don't know. Competition brings out the best in people, so I don't look at it as tough. It's just like, hey, Mike's always looking sharp. Dutchie's always looking sharp. Those are just the males. I mean, the the ladies that uh, you know really are so brilliant in what they do. I'll tell you what. They always look fabulous on set as well. Hey, we're just trying to play catch up then. And look, we have so much to get to with you with the Sens current prospect pool, how they should attack the upcoming draft. But you caught our attention the other day. You said you thought that Robin Leonard coming back, he's one of my favorite Senator goalies of the past uh, decade, two decades maybe even. Uh, but you said he'd be an ideal free agent target. What makes that a fit for you right now instead of maybe next year going out to get that starting goalie? Well, I mean, number one, I mean, uh, you, there was no free agency this year on Canada Day. So we decided to uh, kind of have a little fun with it and say, where would, where would some players fit? Now, it's a pretty good free agent market this summer. You know, Markstrom in Vancouver, you know, can be a free agent. Braden Holtby can be a free agent. Corey Crawford, free agent. And obviously, Robin Leonard can be a free agent. Uh, Robin Leonard's the youngest of those uh, four. And if you look at his past two seasons, I mean, he's been pretty brilliant. And, you know, when he started in Ottawa, it was a very different time for Robin, both on and off the ice. So the, the, the opportunity for him to return where he started, I mean, it's nice. But he returns in a very different place, both on and off the ice, as, as a goaltender that's been outstanding and as somebody that has acknowledged uh, some of the challenges he's faced off the ice. And when I look at the Ottawa Senators, I love their prospect pool. I love their cupboard. I think it's stocked at all different positions. They're going to add two more players for sure with their first two picks, three and five, if they hold on to them in the 2020 NHL draft. They could have another first-round pick. They have four second-round picks. This is a team right on the move to becoming a contender. There's no question in my mind. But the one thing that is clearly lacking in their prospect cupboard is a clear-cut go-to goaltender. I look at Robin Leonard at 28 years of age, and I see a, somebody that could absolutely fit that bill. And if they draft a goaltender, they have some goaltenders in the system, Gustafson. But if they draft a goaltender, that gives them a requisite amount of time to let that goaltender incubate, to let Gustafson continue to develop. Because if you draft somebody this year, you have Gustafson, they're still young. Robin Leonard, to me, you, you don't get you into a position where – you know, you can continue to be competitive, and at 28 years of age, you know you know he's got, in my view, five or six really strong years left in him. Yeah, I agree, Craig, and I think uh, you made a really good point about how Robin Leonard has really changed as a goalie and as a person. Um, now, would you think that the Senators would be interested in bringing Robin Leonard back? I mean, you did mention that you don't feel that the Senators have a goalie in their prospect pool that could be an elite number one goalie. But do you think maybe the Senators think they have a guy that if they get for a couple years more development, either Sogard, Gustafson, Hogberg, Decord, Mandelise, um, that one of them eventually can be the guy? Or do you think they need to uh, be more aggressive and try to get an already established guy so that when the rest of their prospects have developed, they're ready to be contenders immediately? Well, but, but here, here's the way I would look at it, Brandon, is, is that a couple of ways. Number one, I, I mean, this team has some good young players on their team already. They have some good young players ready to be on their team. And then you're going to draft some more players that are going to be high-level players 
that are going to be on that team. I, I, I think next season, whenever that is, in the, in the last quarter of the season, the Ottawa Senators have an opportunity to be in competitive games. You know what? Can they make the playoffs? I, I don't think so. I think that the East is still really tough. But I think they can be in competitive games. Year after that, I think they're a playoff team. And then the year after that is, remember, these two players are going to draft the Bathersons, you know, the Brandstroms, the Lassie Thompsons. They're now going to be two years older. And I think that that's when they move into the contending phase. And quite frankly, I think Gustafson is a, is a really good prospect. But I, I think he's two or three years away from trying to establish himself in the NHL. And when I look at the Washington Capitals, they drafted Ilya Samsonov back in 2015. Holtby was, was, was a really good goaltender. They were moving along. They had Grubauer. And what it really did was it allowed Samsonov the opportunity to grow, to develop his game. And we saw what he did this year. He didn't play a lot. And now the Capitals are in a position where they can maybe, uh, you know, turn the reins over to Ilya Samsonov. Because to me, he's an elite goaltender. That's five years from the time they drafted him. And right now, if Gustafson continues to develop, I think he's four years away from that spot. Robin Leonard gives you that opportunity to bridge it. And if you draft another goaltender this year in the draft, you know, uh, you, you, you have that opportunity to let them develop and see where you go. But you're not leaving your team short. And, and I think that's a real key thing here for the Ottawa Senators. You know, none of those goalies you named, I think, are ready to help them be a playoff team and be competitive next year or the year after. And certainly when you move into what I believe will be a contending window, uh, like serious contending window, you know, I don't see it then either. So that's why Robin Leonard to me makes a lot of sense. Now that doesn't mean that in four or five years time, somebody can't be in that spot, but it ain't in the next two or three in my view. Yeah, that's very fair. And they do have the flexibility of having Hogberg just on a one-way contract next year. But Craig Anderson, it's going to be a tough goodbye for Sens fans uh, for all the good years that he brought them. But it is, I think everybody is resigned to the fact that it is time. With Boro, there's a guy who's just heart and soul Ottawa. And as Sens fans, we've seen so many heart and soul, you know, local guys like Pajot, uh, even Cody CC, but then other guys like Stone and Dezingle. The list goes on on the complete rebrand. Do you think that it's crucial that they at least keep that identity that Boro brings and talk about a guy who, who helps away from the rink as well. Well, you, you might call him Boro. I call him Boro cop <laughs> after, after what he did in Vancouver. I mean, it's unbelievable. I even have my own t-shirt guys. I have my Boro cop t-shirt So do we. today, but uh, you know, like I, I think that Mark, you, you know, is a great example of, you know, what, whatever the situation is, he's, he's going to give a hundred percent of himself. He, he you know, and I think that he serves as a great example, not only in the way you play, but in the way you, how, how you get yourself ready to play. And, you know, those players, when you have young players, it can be a really good example and can contribute uh, on the ice to, 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 a, to the degree that they're capable of. I, I think it's always positive. I mean, Pierre Dorian wanted to keep Mark Stone, but the price was too much. And Mark Stone had options, right? And, you know, you, you look at uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, like you have to make these decisions with the cap. Nobody wants to see them go. But ultimately, the decisions you're, you're making on players when it comes to salary cap considerations, if you've done a really good job of, of drafting, they're always going to be on your homegrown players. That's just the, that's just the way the system works. So, draft well, develop well, and then you're going to come to those points in time when you got to make those difficult decisions. 
But if you've drafted well and developed well, you, you can have players coming in underneath those players and, and do it. And, you know, you got to consider where the money is. I mean, there, there's no question Jean-Gabriel Pajot is a, is a really good heart and soul player. But you have to evaluate, you know, what the money is, what the term is, and everything that goes with it. But I think it's the same with Mark. And I think if, if Mark and the Ottawa Senators can find that, that intersection where it works for both sides and Mark would be in and out. He's an outstanding, outstanding uh, person for the Ottawa senators to have in their group as not only somebody that can help on the ice, but also be a significant influence off the ice. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy I think 31 soon to be 32 GMs would love to have on their team. And uh, certainly a guy who other opponents have to know when he's on the ice to keep their head up. Um, so obviously the most excitement is for the draft, but before we get into the draft who and who the Sens are going to add, I want to dive into who they already have in the system. And we've brought up a few of these names and uh, on our Twitter account at Sens Central, we put out our top 10 um, organizational under 23. Now the only guy who's on the team, no surprise, Brady Kachuk coming in at number one, but we just have a quick question on each guy. Um, kind of their, their make or break. So we want to start out with number 10, Vitaly Abramov. Is he a guy where it's top six or bust at the NHL level? Well, you know what we've done, Ross? So I'm going to, you, you know, I, I've gotten right away from top six and, you know, top four defensemen. I think the game has changed, right? Like, I mean, if you can add more offense deeper into your lineup, it makes you harder to play against. It makes, yeah, you, uh, it makes you more challenging. So we've talked about top six, bottom six and everything. You know, top four defensemen, there used to, there tended to be, and I kept watching, I go, well, number four defenseman gets lumped in with a one and two. There couldn't be anything further than a number four lumped in with a one and two. So I don't, a number four defenseman, I push him aside now. A number four is by himself. You're a top pair defenseman, a number one or a number three, a top three. Because I, I don't want the top three guys carrying a number four that might not be able to do anything more than that. I feel the same thing about top six. Talia Bramoff is a very skilled, very talented, very competitive player. If I got more skill deeper down in my lineup, that creates more challenges for opponents. And you know what? Like Players now are, are I, I think, like they're more capable and they're more – uh, trained to, to, for their games to be expanded. This idea that you can only be an offensive guy. Like if I can get if I can get 15 goals and 45 points and good penalty killing out of out of, out of my third line winger, I'm taking it every day of the week. And Vitaly Abramov can do those things. So you know what? I don't think he has to be in a, in a pure offensive role because he can do some other things because he's not just a pure offensive player. That is where his game is weighted towards. But he's got other elements in his game that can allow him to contribute in other areas. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Abramov, he's, he's got a lot of talent. It's just going to take some time for our, uh, him to start developing. Uh, now let's move to our number nine guy on our list, Lassie Thompson, the Finnish defenseman. Craig, how much AHL seasoning do you think this guy's going to need? I mean, he did play in Finland after playing in Kelowna a few seasons ago. So at least he's moved uh, kind of to an upper league. But do you think it's going to take him quite a while to come over and get uh, used to that American ice again? I mean, he played it in Kelowna, but now at the AHL level, it's going to be a bit more different. How long do you think he's going to have to stay in the minor league system before you think he's probably ready to crack the Ottawa lineup? I think he's ready. I don't think, wow. I mean, like uh, the SM league is a better league than the American hockey league in my view. And you know, the, the Finnish league plays a hybrid uh, 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 rink size between the NHL and the international rink. Lassie Thompson was always an, a, a really high end uh, offensive type talent. 
going back to the SM Liga this year was so good for his development because what he really needed to do was develop that defensive side of his game, use his skating, use his size, use his awareness and sense to really dial in defensively. I saw it at the World Junior in, 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 in such a big way, and he did the same thing in the SM Liga. He's always going to have the big shot. He's always going to be able to join the rush. But what he needed to do was round out his game. And when I look at a right shot defenseman that can skate that's been allowed to mature, I mean, okay, maybe he needs 20 games. Maybe he needs a couple weeks. But it's not very long. He, he is, uh, in my view, right on the cusp of being able to play in the National Hockey League. That's exciting to, uh, for us to hear because that the strength of the Belleville team that Brandon and I both spent time working for this year was their offense all, all the time. And to add a defenseman, even if it's just for a couple months, that would be huge. One we know won't be over because of unfinished business. Actually, our next two on the list, uh, Jacob Bernard-Docker at eight and then Shane Pinto at seven. With Bernard-Docker, is he more, as you said, it's, it's so much that you want the um, the offense and the defense, he, to me, seems like a guy you want out in the final minute of a game up a goal. Do you think that he's going to bring enough offensive production to maintain uh, being able to play 20-plus minutes every night at the NHL level? I think JBD can play 20 minutes in a game, period. I think he's clearly uh, a, a number four defenseman. I think that if he uh, develops a little bit more offense, he can move into that, uh, that three-hole. But he, he, he's a strong player. He's, there's no flash to Jacob's game. He just moves the puck efficiently, takes opponents off the puck efficiently. And, you know, we tend to look at players and say, well, offense, if you can't stop the opponent in the defensive zone and get to a puck and beat pressure and make a play with the puck, you, I don't care how many offensive players you have, you're not going to create offense. Jacob Bernard Docker does all those things. He closes down the play. He can make plays under pressure. He can beat pressure, and he can make a play with the puck. That, that's essential to, to, to creating offense because the more time your offensive players have to spend in the defensive zone, the less time they have to create offense. Jacob Bernard Docker is, uh, is able to do that. You, you, you can't measure players just by what their point production is because there's so many different areas of the game that become critical for producing and contributing to offense that if those things aren't checked off, you're not going to create offense. Jacob Bernard Docker is a really strong player. I love that analysis because uh, I've, I've been sort of talking about that too. When so many people look at defensive prospects, they just look at the point totals, but there's so much more that goes into it than just racking up points. And JBD does a lot of those things you mentioned. Now on to his teammate, Shane Pinto. And this is a guy that a lot of people thought the Sens reached on uh, at the first pick of the second round. You had guys like Kaliev, Bobby Brink still available, Sogard, who they traded up to get later. Um, do you think that was a reach by the Senators, or do you think Pinto uh, is going to fit really nicely into this franchise? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that uh, usually when, when I hear the word reach, it's based on other people thinking that uh, uh, they didn't have him as high, they didn't know him as well. Who cares? Right. The Ottawa Senators like them. I love Shane Pinto. I've watched Shane Pinto develop for three years. And if you can go back three years and watch where he was three years ago coming into the USHL and then how he developed and then how he continued to develop this year at UND and then into the World Juniors with Team USA. I, I mean, Shane is he's, – he's competitive. He's got skill. He's versatile. He's adaptable. He brings size to the game. Like, he, he's not one of those top-line players – 
but he, he's a player that can make life extremely difficult for opponents, and you can play him in so many different spots. You can play him left wing, right wing. You can play him in the middle of the ice. You can take face-offs. He can play in front of the net, and he just understands how to play the game and how to contribute at every turn. And if he continues to progress, even at half the rate that he has over the last three years, I mean, he's going to be a really good player in the National Hockey League. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Shane Pinto is going to be a really good NHL player for a lot of years. I love him. And so good at uh, hand-eye coordination as well. He showed that off in the World Juniors as well. The, the high tip, he's just so good at, and it's, it's a hard skill play to do. Okay, I got to admit, this one's a little tongue-in-cheek. Number six on our list, Logan Brown. Is his skill set more resemblant to Joe Thornton or Joe Colburn? Well, I mean uh, – I mean, Joe Colburn, I think one of the big challenges for Joe Colburn, because I've known Joe since he was a young kid, is that Joe was a skilled player that everybody looked at his size and said, oh, you got to run over people. And that was never Joe's game. I I really believe if people would have allowed Joe to just be Joe, he could have been a really effective player. And, And I think you saw glimpses of that at different points in his career and certainly in Calgary. Obviously, Joe Thornton was a was a was an exceptionally skilled player. He's going to the Hall of Fame. So, you know, but but if you would have asked Joe Thornton to be a physical guy, you probably uh, wouldn't have got the most out of him. I think Logan, the biggest thing with Logan is his his pace and, and I'm talking about his the, the intensity of his pace to play and his initiative in terms of, of, of his pace. And you know, the game requires good players to really push and attack and challenge opponents. And if you're doing that, then you're going to have success. I think Logan has made strides in that area. But when you're bigger and stronger than everybody at at younger ages, you don't have to do it because you just kind of play keep away. You have your size. But as you move up the levels, you have to be able to do those things. Now, when Logan first turned pro, I don't think that 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 was an area that was developed. I think it was something he had to learn. But I've watched him take strides in that area he still needs to take more strides in that area because if he doesn't he's not going to play simple as that logan brown's definitely i think probably one of the more intriguing senators prospects uh that's been around for a couple years now and everyone's just kind of waiting for him to break through but speaking of making strides craig a guy that can make strides strides pretty quickly Alex Formanton, the fastest skater in the AHL. And Ross and I have talked about this a lot. Sometimes it felt like his hands couldn't catch up to his feet. Last year, he kind of tied it all together and had a lot of success in the American Hockey League. Do you think the next level, um, his other attributes are going to need to really develop better if they're going to catch up to his feet? Or are bigger, stronger, smarter defensemen uh, just going to have their way with him. He's not going to be able to get that space to get the speed he's so good at. I've watched Alex meet the challenges at every level. And, you know, when he came into junior, how you described him uh, last year was, was, was how a lot of people described him then. But, you know, that speed and understanding how to use that speed and how, how to keep things in sync, I mean, that, that's really important. And Alex gained so much confidence through his junior years. And then, you know, at the World Junior, you know, when uh, Canada won gold in Buffalo, I mean, he was a real contributor to that group. And you're seeing the same things at the American Hockey League level. You know, he, he had a really good season this year. And I think that, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to see that skating and we want to see that player just put everything together all at once. Well, you know what? If you've ever seen a Cirque du Soleil uh, production, 
action. They, they don't just come together one day and just put it all together. It's hours of practice and hours and hours and hours of coordination. And I think it's the same thing with Alex Formanton. And I, I, like, because he's, I think he's a smart player. And I think he's a competitive player. And I think that as he learns and as he understands what the challenges of each level are, he meets them. And he gets himself to that level where his skating and his hands uh, can be a significant contributor. So do, do I think that he is going to run up against the wall in the National Hockey League? No, I don't. I think he's going to be a really solid player. And again, we talk about the different types of players that the Senators have. They have a Brady Kachuk, and they have a Josh Norris, and they have an Abramoff, and they have a Batherson, and they have a Formanton and a Pinto. You know, it, it's not all about one player. They have different types of players that can pose so many significant challenges for opponents. So when I look at their team and how they're being, how they're being put together, you know what? And I say that I think they can be a contender in three years' time. I, I'm not saying it just because of a prospect covered. It's also the types of prospects they have. Yeah, especially um, what I thought really helped Formanton's game is he, he played with a veteran AHL center in Jordan Suarez this year, who was actually the captain for the B-Sens. But I thought that he really helped kind of polish his defensive game as well. And meanwhile, as he was doing that on the top line, your AHL rookie of the year, Josh Norris, I know as a Michigan guy, you, you had to love seeing his immediate rise there. Do you expect him to challenge for an opening night roster spot? He got one game with the big club this year, but do you see him stepping into the NHL right away next season? Yep. No question. And I think that was a big reason why the Senators, as they explored Jean Gabriel Pajot, signing him, what the market value could be for him, that they, that they ended up trading him because it was the confidence that they had that Josh can move forward. Josh has always been a really talented player, a really smart player. And he was another player that with maturity comes you know, that ability to do more. And when you can do more, you become more productive. And the productivity leads to more confidence. And then it just keeps going round and round and round. And that's what happened with Josh. Josh is, Josh is a really, really good player. And I don't have any question. I mean, it, it, if, if he's not, in my view, if he's not in the Senators opening night lineup, one of two things have happened. They have acquired three really, really good centers uh, from around the NHL that have pushed them back down, or Josh Norris has fallen right off the map. There's no chance that Josh Morris, that number two is going to happen, and I don't see any chance for number one to happen, so he's on the team. We love Josh Norris, especially this year, and I think, I mean, there's not a lot for him to prove in the AHL anymore after he came in uh, so hot and just tore it up in his rookie season. Now, we head on to Eric Brandstrom. This is the prize jewel of the stone trade. We saw him get some NHL games this season, but let's be honest, it was more out of need with kind of a limited roster and then bad timing injuries. What kind of projection do you have for Brandstrom in the NHL uh, in his career in the future? And if he meets that projection, is it worth trading Mark Stone uh, for basically Eric Brandstrom? Listen, uh, you know, re revisionist history is not anything I'm ever going to get into. I'm a big believer that if you're going to trade a player of the caliber of Mark Stone, you need to get quality back. I'm not a believer in quantity. You know, you can get, you know, a first round pick and a third round pick and a B prospect here and another C prospect there and go, oh, look at how we did, you know? Yeah, no, I'm not into that. I'm into quality. Eric Branstrom's quality. Just because he wasn't ready to play for the Ottawa Senators this year, doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. Listen, Chicago Wolves and the American Hockey League is a 19-year-old player. He was a really good player in his age group. 
internationally. He was one of the very best players, not, not a good player, one of the very best players amongst them all. And now you have some growing pains, and then there's nothing wrong with that. He's going to be 21. I have no doubt that he is going to be a solid, solid key player for the Ottawa Senators for a lot of years to come. He's competitive. He can skate. He can jump into the attack. He can create some offense. And I've, and I've watched Eric Branson since he was 15 years old. The next time he gets pushed out of a game will be the first time. That doesn't mean he stays in every game because sometimes the obstacles become a little bit more difficult. But he does not allow himself to be pushed out of a game because he won't or can't do it. It becomes a case of, okay, hey, just another step. Try to take, a, uh, take the necessary measures to move your game along. But I have no question that Eric Branstrom is going to be a really good player for a lot of years. Yeah, that's music to our ears, especially. Like well, let me just tell you something else. Ask any player that ever played against Eric Branstrom. Go ask Brady Kachuk. Next time you're around, ask Brady Kachuk what it was like to play against Eric Branstrom. Just go ask him. I'm not telling you anything more than that. Go on I out. love it. He played, he played against them for a lot of years with the National Team Development Program. They're the same age. They're 99 borns. Go ask Brady what it was like playing against. I know what he'll tell you. You, you guys need to ask him. I will, yeah. I'm going to have that right ready to go. And there's actually a photo as well of uh, Gustafson, funny enough, with Branstrom hugging after a, a goal or after beating U.S. and then Brady Kachuk's just on his knee in the forefront. So that was kind of what could be an iconic picture depending on how their careers shake out. And from that, we move into the top two. And a friend of the show, one of our guys, uh, speaking of talking to players, Drake Batherson's joined us a few times. And I'm really curious when you first heard his name in scouting circles because he was passed over in the 2016 draft, his first time eligible, and really exploded onto the scene after being a fourth-round pick, then scoring seven goals in seven games at the World Juniors. How do you project his further development? It's been so exponential so far. Well, number one, you know, I mean, I watched Drake play junior hockey. I saw him in that year he didn't get drafted. And quite frankly, you know, I, I say this all, all the time, 31 teams don't miss a player. Trust me, guys. 31 yeah. teams don't miss a player. You know, the player hasn't shown enough, hasn't matured enough, hasn't done uh, enough to show what his potential could be or may be. And, and then that's not a knock against the player. It just means you might not have been able to do that. But Drake, and he had the, he had the benefit of his father, Norm, who had, had a pro career that was pretty good and pretty long. You know, and Drake just kept working at his game. And I tell young players this all the time. Just work at your game. Keep working. Somebody's watching all the time. And if you continue to progress, the people will notice. That's exactly what happened with Drake. It happened, number one, when if you're watching him in that year where he didn't get drafted, now you come back the next year and go, ooh, there's some real improvement here because you were watching the year before. Now you see it more. Now he ends up being identified by Hockey Canada. Now he goes to the World Junior Team, and he's a really good contributor. Comes back to the Quebec League, really good. We know what he did in the American Hockey League. I mean, I mean, to me, if Ottawa was a team moving into the playoffs, Belleville would have never seen Drake Batherson again. But who do I think Drake Batherson's like? Lowercase Mark Stone. Well, that kind of leads into my next question. I think a lot of Senators fans had Mark Stone pegged as the next captain for the Ottawa Senators. And we look at our top guy, Brady Kachuk. I'll ask you simply, Craig, do you think he should be the next captain for the Ottawa Senators? He's already the captain. (laughs) You don't have to wear a C to be the captain. All I know is this about Brady. And I've watched Brady for a long, long time. And I can tell you this. Brady has an innate feel 
for what needs to happen at any moment in the game, at any moment in the game. And not only that gives his team and his teammates benefits that can be accrued and built upon, but also puts opponents on notice. And you, you, you are not. Brady Kachuk is in the guts of the action at every turn. And he was captain of the national team development program through his that age group. He will be, he is a captain already. You know what? Like, again, we, we tend to think, oh, if you have the C, you know, you're the captain. Brady Kachuk is already a captain for the Ottawa Senators. Thank you once again to Craig Button for taking the time, joining us. So candid, so informative, and best part for Sens fans is he had nothing but good things to say, right, about these prospects. One thing that stood out to me, Pilsy, how about Lassie Thompson? He believes will immediately step into the National Hockey League. Yeah, our, our question was, how long do you think he'll need to spend in the AHL? No time at all, which uh, was pretty surprising. And I think uh, part of us were a little sour about that because selfishly we wanted to see the Tom Bomb in Belleville for when we're working there next season. But that's that's impressive. And, I mean, Craig Button, he was he was basically our white whale of interview guests. And we we finally got him, and we got him at the perfect time. We, we got him to go over all the best prospects right now and the future best prospects that the Senators could end up drafting in the 2020 NHL draft. So stay tuned for that Monday. And until then, have a great weekend, Sens fans. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, where we've got your team every day.